Hello, everybody, and welcome to a well, and I'd say another episode of Litbox, but uh, I think technically this is probably going to be our first episode again. <laughs> we had a lot of technical difficulties in that last episode that we tried, and um, it it went okay, but um, you know, there's always room for improvement, so we're using this one to really nail it down. Uh, anyway. This is Litbox, where uh, we, myself, Charlie Oso, and my co-host, Zach Quinones, uh, shine a light on the writing side of the entertainment industry, the uh, side that actually gets a lot of shade probably thrown on it more than anything else, I guess. I mean, it's really like, if you had to think of like the dark alley of the writing or the entertainment industry, I think that writing would be it. You know, writers get really the shit into the stick most of the time. Yeah. We're the most needed and disposable batch of people in pretty much every, not just like in uh, entertainment, but also, you know, marketing. I mean, pretty much everything is the language of writing. So the most needed, but most disposable. Yeah. I mean, every movie every billboard video game it all starts with a writing project right i mean it starts with an idea and then that has to be translated into what you see visually what ends up coming out as the final product but there's a long process between the uh, what gets put on the page and what you finally see and i think that during that process for sure the writers just kind of sh- get lost in the picture somewhere else, you know? So Mm -hmm. that's what we hope to do. We hope to uh, really kind of shine some light on the writers of today. um, Let you know that we see you because we're right there with you. Um, Today's episode, we are going to be talking about the, well, actually I'll let you introduce it since this was your topic. Uh, Why, uh, why it's really hard. Why would people make video games into movies? Why they suck. Or why they tend to suck a lot of times. I really can't think of a, of a video game movie off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure there's one that I'm overlooking. The one that I enjoy because it was – it kind of embraced the campiness of it, which was Street Fighter from back uh, you know, with Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's a terrible movie, mm-hmm. but it's it, – I think it achieves a little bit of like – like it's entertaining at the, at the very least. Uh the Mortal Kombat movies are also just, they're more nostalgic than anything. But as far as good video game movies, I can't really think of any particular one that stands out as, when I, when I say good, I mean respectable among the, uh, the, film, the film paradigm, so to speak. Uh, so it's like, uh, if you want to translate like comic book movies, the original, not the original, but the 90s Batman with Tim Burton, the Dark Knight trilogy with uh, Christopher Nolan. Those are good comic book movies because they're respected among mm-hmm. the peers, so to speak. I can't think of any video game movies that fit that realm. I might be overlooking it, but if I'm overlooking it, that should be kind of telling of how poor <laughs> it's. No, I don't know. Like, there's a lot. I've thought about this. You know, I, I had the wheels turning when, when we when we kind of discussed it. So I have some thoughts, but 
I want to I want to hear what what you have to say because I know you you you're more actively into video games than I am, right? Like you you play video games a lot more frequently, or is that board uh, games? Or... I, I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, if I play video games, it's usually like alongside my my kids. Mm-hmm. I don't play video games necessarily like myself, um, just for my own amusement. But I'll I'll play with my kids to spend time with them because that's what kids are doing these days, right? Playing video mm-hmm. games. Um, what was the last? What was the last video game you played that you were that you were actually in, invested in? So there is. I mean, there's a series that I that I play. Um, Borderlands. I've been a fan of Borderlands since the first one came out. You know, it was like this like sleeper game that uh-huh. wasn't a really big. Um, it didn't have a whole lot of marketing. It didn't have a whole lot of like tail behind it. But once people started playing with it and they started realizing, you know, it was like a loot and shoot game. It had these really cool mechanics. It had these okay, like character trees. Um, it was, it was a good game. And obviously, you know, it's spawned what three, uh, three successors after that. So, I mean, it's, you know, that's saying something. Um, and I know, okay, so getting into that, you know, there is a Borderlands movie coming out. I mean, it was just a matter of time, <laughs> you know? So um, how I feel about that I, is a, a little torn, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's like, do I get excited about the possibility of this movie coming out and doing a really great job of the franchise or do I just sit in complete and total dread as I start reading the, you know, production notes and the casting jobs and, um, you know, who's attached to the film in general and, and trying to figure out if it's going to be good or not, because I honestly don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I honestly don't know. Um, but I guess to answer your question from earlier, as far as having one good adaptation, one translation from video game to, um, to movie adaptation, I would have to say the only one that I think even lights a candle, holds a candle to what it originally was. And I'm probably going to get shit on for this, for saying this, but Silent Hill. That was one that slightly popped in my head. The only reason I didn't bring it up is because I'm not too fo- I know what the game is about and I played it, but <clears throat> I'm not well versed enough to know that's if that hits yeah. the standard. And see, so. I'm I'm not necessarily familiar with the game either. Like it was a little bit before my time because it came out, if I'm not mistaken, it was more of I want to say as a computer game i think before anything else it was on computer before it was on console and so there were a lot of people playing that i was never a big pc gamer i've never been a pc gamer um my computers are tools like i i work on them all the time i i I don't have any more room on my computer to put games (laughs) my it will explode if i try and put more stuff onto my computer um but i know that there was a atmosphere with um, with Silent Hill, 
and I know it was very dark. I know it was very eerie, and it created this um, this really ominous atmosphere within the game. And I do feel like when I was watching the film that it created that atmosphere very well. Um, to say that it was it had all the elements that the game has, I don't think that that's accurate at all. Um, but to say that that same feeling was there, I think that that's a fair point for sure. Mm. Yeah, that one, that probably the same reason why that one popped in my head was because the, 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 the atmosphere to me was the most consistent in terms of like how the game felt, you know, from what I remember playing of the game to the film, but it, it wasn't a memorable film to me. It wasn't like, when I saw Batman Begins or The Dark Knight, like I had to go see that movie. It, it's it's like stains on your memory. So that one, I, I kind of thought of it, but I was like, I, it's not really one that I really, it took a while for me to kind of get to that game in my head. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of reasons why I think, well, before I go into that, what I also find interesting is there's a lot of movies that have been adapted into really good video games. Uh, Star Wars is one of them. It was a movie franchise. They've adapted it into video games, you know, different types of uh, series of video games that have been at the very least anywhere from good to great. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, comic book, uh, Spider-Man. The, I think, uh, was it on PlayStation when one of the first like Spider-Man video games came out? Yeah. I mean, they had some, I think, on like Nintendo 64, but like the first, you know, really big budget, so to speak, Spider-Man game. That was really fucking popular. But it's just weird with with that because even with novels and books, they have str- they struggle to adapt those. But at least every now and then you can find a book adaptation that just like really lives up to the quality of the book to some extent. But with video games, it's just I don't know. I mean, I, there's a few reasons why I think video games kind of suffer a little bit from the biopic syndrome where there's so much. When people particularly make biopics of like musicians and, you know, they have this long catalog, long life. It's like, how do you really contain that into a two hour cohesive thing? And a lot of times you get stuff like that's entertaining, but there's either a lot of like um, historical or factual inaccuracies or they gloss over some things that are more interesting, but not really well known among the public crowd. So they go for more mainstream accessible things. Uh, the Queen movie, Bohemian Rhapsody, kind of does that. Or actually, it does that a lot. I think uh, Walk the Line is that entertaining movies, but how do you – it's just so much going on in their life. You, It ends up being like a montage, montage type movie. So the bio – you know, like the music biopic kind of falls into that that um, that crush well because of video games i don't know if you've ever seen like a script a finished script of a video game particularly like a like a like a last of us type game it's i mean it's literally like three feet tall and so it's it's interesting because i feel like i feel like the big problem is it's just people writing the films have no they're not video gamers which I think if you're too much of a video gamer, like a di- it could be a detriment, but I feel like they don't even just, they don't play games at all. 
And so I think that's a big crutch. And then I also think because of the massive amount of of just material that is covered in a video game, I think any approach you take, you're going to piss off, especially the more popular game, you're going to piss off a big enough demographic within that crowd that you're going to, you're going to warrant a backlash of some sort. But I do think there's a lot of other reasons. Yeah. That's a subject that I want to touch on in one of our other episodes is cancel culture and Uh, what it it has done to uh, the entertainment industry and, and writing in general, you know, you can you can say anything now and you know all of a sudden everything changes because that actor can't be in the film anymore or you know and it's the cancel culture is real and it it's scary um but like i said we can hopefully we can do an episode on that at some point in time too yeah for sure there's there's actually a, a few few examples of that that i'll bring up when we do talk about it um so yeah that's a good one for for next time for sure. So you said, um, you said that the writers weren't video games or uh, video gamers. I I feel like that's part of it. I can't speak for every single adaptation, but like an example would be when, uh, Neil, uh, I can never say his name correctly. Uh, I always call him Neil Blumpkin, but it's not Blumpkin. It's, uh, Uh I think who did this. when he was getting ready to do halo and that got a lot of buzz because when he did uh he did his sizzle reel which was actual original footage that he was filming for it and people were saying it was just such an accurate depiction of halo and exactly how they pictured a halo movie to be of course things fell through a bunch of things happened but um the he was like a fan of halo and he wasn't, I don't think, he wasn't like a hardcore, like obsessive Halo person, but he was just, a. Uh, he loved playing the game. It was something he was really just kind of like, oh, I can, I can do this because I know the game so well. I know how to present it. And so he's the closest thing that I, that we would, we would have gotten to like possibly a very well-made video game. Film. The other one that was kind of more recent is uh, Assassin's Creed which I think the dude that was in the movie Shane and Hunger and he was Michael Fassbender. Mm-hmm. I think he was a fan of the game, but it's it, he was like a very, very, very casual fan. And I also believe that he, because he was such a casual, casual fan, he took too much liberty, I believe, in, in some of the things with the film. And he didn't write it. So the writers that were coming on, I, I don't think they were really that familiar with the film. And in Hollywood, a lot of writers to get jobs, they'll say like, oh, I'm such a fan of that film or a fan of that video game, but they've never played it. They're just like a fan of it, you know, spiritually. Um, yeah. So, <clears throat> but yeah, that movie was, it was basically ass. It got like three, <laughs> three out of 10 on IMDb or something. It got like destroyed by critics and fans. And I mean, we can look at like Monster Hunter right now too, right? I haven't gone to see it because of Corona, obviously, yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> but one, it's what Paul W. S. Anderson, right? Okay. He already Good. killed. He already killed the Red Resident Evil <laughs> franchise. Yeah, like, that was 
you know, that was ass. I'm not going to lie about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Monster Hunter is actually a pretty cool game. As a gamer, like, I will tell you, um, that was something that I was interested in for a little bit. I did play some Monster Hunter for a little bit. It's it's really cool. You get to go. You get to kill. You get on this island. You have really not a lot of weapons. And you go out and you kill these monsters. And as you kill these monsters, you start scavenging parts from them to create bigger and better weapons. Mm-hmm. So the larger the monster you kill, the more equipment that you're able to take with you and and create these things. So it's it's pretty awesome. Um, when I heard that he was directing it, <laughs> I, I lost all hope. I'm not going to lie. I, just, I lost all hope for the movie. Um, yeah. And part of me wants to know, like, why, you know, if you have a fan base that really likes your game in the instance of Resident Evil, everybody knows, everybody who played those games knows that he just did his own thing. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no cohesive storyline with those movies really that matched anything that was going on with the game. It was like a cameo of a character here mm-hmm. and a mention of something that was going on here. And that was really it. So it was like, um, here's your Easter eggs, basically like, let's go hunt the shit out of some Easter yeah. eggs. Right. And so when you alienate the audience like that, you know, who, who enjoys the game. Why would you give another video game adaptation to the same <laughs> director, knowing that that's probably what's going to end up happening. Right. Uh-huh. I haven't seen monster hunter, so I can't really say, you know, like that. It's awesome that it's that I can't, I can't give a, an honest judgment of it. But what I can say is that every review that I have read thus far tells me it is an ass movie. It is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, you know, you can say what, what you want about China not wanting to play it because of the racial slur that was in it. But mm-hmm. honestly, I think that, that was just a cop out. I think that China just flat out said, don't bring this shit to our theaters. We're better than this. <laughs> That's just according to the reviews that I've read. Uh-huh. I don't know. One day, I'll read the reviews. One day I'll actually go see the movie. But until then, this is this is what I have to work with. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Is it the writers or is it the people with the money? Is it is it the companies that say, we're going to take this idea. We know that even if it's a shit movie, we're going to make money off of it regardless. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, where does the blame really lie? You know, because as a writer, if if I'm attached to an adaptation, I know that I, and I I know that, you know, Hollywood kind of squeezes this out of you, right? Mm -hmm. But you want to try as, you want to stay as true to the material as possible. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you want to make money. You don't want to get fired. Yeah. So. I definitely think, yeah, because now that I think about it, because, you know, there's plenty of writers that have written uh, adaptations of books that they've never read and have done a very good job of it. 
because they do the research. So I definitely think, yeah, that, that probably is a big part of like the, uh, the sort of machine kind of coming in. And I mean, you could do the research all you want. You can play the video game for 10 hours a day, you know, to prep yourself to, to write it. But if the studio is like, Hey, we need, um, we need this, like a, uh, this big elaborate chase scene or something to happen. And you're like, well, the, you know, the video game doesn't really, it's not really happen. That doesn't really happen in the video game. There's no really, like, you know, you kind of get put in the bind because they can just fire you and, you know, bring somebody else in. Uh, the other, the other thing too, uh, that you kind of, that you brought up in terms of, uh, dang, what did you just say right now? Sort of the resident evil and like the Easter egg thing. Uh, that's kind of like, Oh, basically, uh, whatever the guy's name, we did resident evil, how, the director attached can play a big role in that because ultimately at the end of the day, when he comes on set, he can just change, maybe not directly on set, but, you know, going into production, he could just decide to do his own thing and just kind of how he did with uh, the resident evil stuff. He just kind of did his own thing or, you know, probably with monster hunter, he probably did his own thing and just did these little Easter egg cameo type things to tie it all together and to make it the brand. Uh, this isn't quite a video game, but there's a book uh by uh o'brien I, I always get his first name wrong but it, i'm 99 sure it's dan o'brien the things they carry and it's a really really popular book uh, are you familiar with it mm -hmm. yeah. and they're making it into a movie and i'm reading the the press release and it's like the writer's like a like i looked at the writer solid writer so i'm like okay first thing first obstacle good then they cast in like robert pattinson um the guy from Whiplash, they're casting all these like good, good ass actors. And then it, they waited till the fucking very end. And it's like directed by Rupert Sanders, the guy who did uh, Snow White and the Huntsman, the fucking really shitty movie with um, oh, man. the girl from Twilight. Uh -huh. And uh, it was the girl from Twilight and the guy from, uh, it was like Liam Neeson or uh, Liam Hensworth or one of the, no, Liam Hensworth. Yeah. But he directed that movie. You know, that, that, it, it, movie was fucking terrible so you know in the press release they left his name out of it to the very last line and as soon as i read that i have like no intention of going to see it because i'm just like <laughs> this guy it doesn't matter how good these actors are it doesn't matter how good the, he's gonna fuck it up he's gonna fuck it up and it's just he's gonna like he's just gonna ruin it he's gonna he's not gonna make he's not gonna be true to the book and no. yeah that's that's a probably another big part of it i think yeah it's it's just such there's so many elements involved with making a movie that it's but it's also kind of weird because so much is involved in terms of video games as well so many moving parts so many people so there's i think it's just a cultural disconnect somewhere because i even think with novels there's still some sort of crossover but video games really is its own culture and its own they don't need film really necessarily to to thrive and survive while novels especially writers who are primarily novelists some of them have made the most money by crossing over into film whether as screenwriters or having their work adapted or optioned off into film or tv so yeah. there's a reliability there but with video games it's like they're a multi-billion dollar business they don't fucking need film and entertainment if anything they're doing film and entertainment a favor by trying to bring yeah. in their their demographic. And I thought of another game that I think 
but again, it's just kind of gone gone with the wind is uh, the World of Warcraft game, the movie. Mm. That was the thing that didn't really have it had like a balance of negative and positive. And I never really kind of got a grasp of, was this a good movie or not? Because the director who did it was a genuine fan. Like he played the game. He was like, people played against him in the game. And apparently from many reports, he was very true to the material as best as he could make it, given that it's a Hollywood big budget film. And there were apparently a, a substantial amount of fans of the game that enjoyed the movie. Uh, some, you know, yeah. and a considerable amount that didn't, but that's been probably the most recent one that wasn't just completely negative. So. And I, I'll say, you know, if I'm flipping through the channels um, and World of Warcraft is on, I'll, I'm going to watch it. Uh, I enjoyed it, but that's because I'm a super nerd anyway. And so, uh-huh. you know, that whole fantasy thing, it gets me. Um, so, I mean, that's another thing, you know, there's, so, well, first I want to go back to what you were saying about the director. Okay. Um, you said it was Rupert, uh, Rupert Sanders. So here's my thing on that, you know, with Paul W, is it Paul W.S. Anderson? I think I can't, I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we should probably know these people's names like before we start talking (laughs) trash about them. (laughs) Hey, if you make a trash movie, you don't deserve to be known. (laughs) Um, So talking about like, you know, the beginnings of things. Do you know like if that guy made any other films before he made Snow White and the Huntsman or whatever? He did make another film. (sighs) It was kind of like a known film. It wasn't some obscure thing. And it wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. But it didn't warrant him to get $100 million. Yeah. To bang his actress and get caught. So, yeah. <laughs> that's what happened. You remember that? I, that? No, I didn't know. I don't. I didn't know that. Uh, I can't remember that, that lady's name who's the main, the main, the main chick in uh, Twilight. Her name escapes me, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. She's yeah. dated Robert Pattinson at the time. She was doing that Krista movie. Stewart. Yeah. And uh, they got snapped some photos of the, the Rupert Sanders and her canoodling somewhere in some like dark corner. Press release them wow. and Robert Pattinson, like basically, like they broke up, or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, that was, that got more press than the actual movie. Yeah. Cause I don't. I don't remember hearing about that. Yeah, I remember hearing about like the first one. You know, there uh-huh. was a there was a first movie, I think, right? Snow White, something, and then yeah. and then Snow White and the Huntsman, I think, came afterwards. But I don't, I don't yeah. remember it very much. Um, okay, so then, I mean, if he made something, you know, beforehand, then at least he he already was in the industry. Because where I was going with that was basically Quentin Tarantino, you know. His first film was not really his first film. He sold it, right? And then it it got made and he was he, he basically lost everything, you know, that had to do with it, more or less. Mm-hmm. And so it just it just 
like I said, I, I, it's, I think there's a lot to do with the machine coming in and, and crushing you at first and saying, well, yeah, you know, you're going to make a film, but really it's us making the film and you're just going to do what the hell we tell you to do. Right. Yeah. And then after that, you know, you get success, you get a little money and then you're like, okay, well now I can kind of choose what I want to do now. You know, I have a little, a little power and I can kind of say, you know, yeah, I want to do this, but you know, I have a little leverage here. I've done this, you know, I've done something before and now I can kind of tell you how we're going to do it. You know, I can put my opinions in there. Whereas like, you know, this, this guy who made the resident evil movies, no, he's made six freaking movies already. And they all, you know, they were not good. And now we're giving him another one. Like there's just no excuse for that anymore. You know, it's it's definitely him. Definitely Mm -hmm. him. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, maybe the things they carried will be good. Maybe that guy just had his ball squeezed the whole time, you know, like they were just in a vice the entire time. And so he didn't get to have any creative input whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, but yeah, it's a dicey game, but I think you bring up a good point. It takes, you kind of have to like, I guess you're allowed to have one, maybe two flops or two bad movies, but at some point you have to, you have to like um, you have to cancel those out with with a good movie. I, I think a, a good example for a guy is the guy who wrote Arrival. Uh, mm-hmm. He had done a couple. He had written one or two other movies before that that were terrible, and he wrote Arrival. So it's like, okay, like I don't know what happened with those first two, but clearly you can write a really good fucking movie. Maybe you could give some extra credit to the fact that he had. Den, you know, Denny Villeneuve directing it. So, but it's a, it's a combination, I guess, of a lot of things. Cause a guy like that wouldn't attach himself to direct a movie if he didn't think the script was good at the very least. So yeah, I, but going back to like video games, uh, yeah, I, I'm thinking back to resident evil I believe it was the PlayStation 1, PlayStation, the first PlayStation, and Resident Evil took place on an island in a laboratory. Is that correct? Uh, so it took place in a laboratory. and got then parachuted into a, like a forest or a jungle, right? Or is it that Resident wow. Evil 2? Yeah. They're going to fucking kill us. Anybody who yeah. is a fan of that game is going to fucking kill us. They're going to come to our house and kill us. Well, Resident <laughs> Evil 2, you, you're up on the surface. You're in Raccoon City. Okay. Uh, trying to get out of the city. So, like, the first one's all about the laboratory and, like, getting through that. That Then that's that's has to be the one. Because I, I remember I w- there was one Resident Evil game I was really into. And you get parachuted into a jungle. You have to go to the laboratory. And it's been taken over by mutated dinosaurs is that correct does that sound familiar or am i thinking of a completely different fucking game you know what we're just gonna say it's resident evil for the sake of getting the fucking point across okay (laughs) mutated dinosaurs (laughs) but anyways this game this was a game okay this was a game that was like it took me hours to fucking play and finish and if they were to make that into a movie you wouldn't have to, because I, I I play I you know I played games like that Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross I played both of those games, yeah. and 
when I think about it, I'm like, you can make a, a really good-ass movie out of those games. All you have to really do is just copy the fucking game. And I think with some of these with some of these movie adaptions, they try to put their own sauce on it. It's like, oh, like, you know, we want to make sure that, like, we have our identity. Because I, I think there's a bit of um, arrogance with when it comes to film industry that they have to have their fingerprints, like, their DNA in something. Like, no, we can make this better than what the – it's like, no, you can't. Like Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross, they're fucking. You can't make it better. It's it's considered you know one of the best games of all time, and it would be like you know if they were making Zelda Ocarina of Time, if they were adapting that into a film, and they try to add their own sauce to it, you're kind of like, no, like you know, it was our, it was perfect the way it was. Just make it look cool, and just give us give us the meat and potatoes, no fat type of thing, because even with Chrono with Chrono Cross. That game's it took me fucking forever to finish that game. And <laughs> even as long as it took me and as all the stuff off the top of my head, even though I haven't played that game in probably probably twenty years. Because I was maybe in middle school when I was playing that game. Yeah. I could still just be like, Oh, you this is the movie you can make from it. You know? From village, gaining powers, solving the you know, finding the friends and all that battling it out with the main villain, getting the, you know, and it's basically Lord of the Rings, if you think about it, just sort of like the stages of things. And that might be another thing too, is, you know, it, making like an Assassin's Creed movie, make it into a trilogy instead of making it into this two hour thing where you're just kind of, you're just kind of like, oh, as long as we have the costumes and the stunts and the superpowers, like they'll be fine. And, yeah. It's it's hard to get that three-peat deal, though. You know? I mean, even, like, Pirates of the, uh, of the Caribbean. That, that was a fucking ride! That was an amusement park! You're right. You're right. But the Black Pearl um, had to be... It had to... When you watch the movie, there is no setup for a sequel, really. I mean, there's the possibility of one. There is an open ending kind of thing where you've you've created this world and there's more that can come from it. But the show itself, like you can watch that and it's it's a story in itself. Mm-hmm. Then later on, you know, you have the other two that come in. And of course, the second one has to feed into the third one, because at that point they said, hey, we've got a success on our hands. Here's some more money. Um, let's go ahead and, and make that trilogy now, you know. So with. With the movie industry, I can understand that the first one that you make has to be able to stand on its own in case that you don't get the trilogy out of it. Because nobody could just walk in like Peter Jackson and be like, hey, I want to make Lord of the Rings. Give me three movies to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a you just don't hear about that. That's a once in a lifetime kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that you're absolutely right in that. You need more time to tell a story because for me, especially I think that that's where the biggest disconnect in these movies comes in is that you have these fully immersive video games that people spend 15, 20 hours playing and you want to try and squeeze all of that storytelling, all of that, um, all of those elements into a two hour block and you really have to decide 
which of those elements is the most important and which can you leave out that will basically just leave you the essence of what the video game was. Not much more than that. Not much more than the essence. Just, just that. And I think that they'll continue doing that because they know that there's a fan following and they know that as much as I'm like dreading that Borderlands movie, I know I'm going to go watch it. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) I can't help it. You know, I want to see what they've done and I want to make sure that I would love for it to succeed and for it to be like another, another way for me to connect with that intellectual property that I love with the Borderlands Mm -hmm. saga, you know, and if they do a great job with it, awesome. And if they don't, then, you know, I'll write a scathing review about it later, I guess. But it's just now creating these stories that are two hours long and, and hoping that you're going to get the same thing out of it. I just, I think that that is where the biggest failure is in video game adaptations, really. Mm. You know what I think Rupert Sanders also directed? Like 90% positive? Ghost in the Shell. (laughs) Ghost in the Shell is a great film. Anything with Scarlett Johansson is a great film. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm almost certain he, he directed that. Yeah. Which... I think that was apparently a step up from Snow White and the Huntsman, so... I'll say so. It was aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. And that, that um, is kind of... That is his thing, too. Like, he is... He's more of a Michael Bay-esque filmmaker than he is, like, a David Fincher or, you know... Uh, but... Yeah. And even yeah. Michael Bay gets his... You know, got his day in the sun. Um... I mean, he got something right, I think. Uh, what was it? 13 Hours was actually, I would say it's actually a pretty damn good film. Yeah, when Michael Bay, when he, those are essentially kind of his passion projects, which is not really because he's Michael Bay, so it's not, passion projects. He can make whatever he wants. Yeah, yeah, it's something that you have to struggle with. But when he does movies like that, The Rock, Pain and Gain, he he tends to be a little bit more of a filmmaker. You see more you see more um, finesse, I guess. He mm-hmm. actually he's at he actually won uh, Cannes Film Festival with a uh, commercial that he did like early in his career. So he nice. he definitely has like filmmaker chops. But he for people that I know that know him to different capacities said that basically he just like he's the equivalent of somebody who is like top pick in high school for basketball and then he realized you know what i'm a really good three-point shooter i'm just gonna be a shooting guard you know i don't want to i don't want to be kobe i don't want to be i probably you know even if he was never gonna be that great he could still come close to that but then he he at least had the intuitive talent to be like he could be like a david fincher or something kind of close to that but that he just realized oh i'm really good at like budget and like being on time with like my film cuts and like just <laughs> really you know with studios i'll just fucking do that and yeah. so that's that's uh that's kind of like he had that realization apparently uh and was just like why try to be this great thing when i can make 
so much money doing something just efficiently. So, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if you if if you find your rut, go ahead and stay in it. You know, Mm -hmm. and if it's bringing you success, more power to you for sure. I, I I can I can tip my hat to that. Yeah, sure. I can't, I can't knock it. Can't, you know what I mean? So, but I don't know, man. Um, I think, I don't know that there will ever be a good formula for video game adaptations to be successful in the film industry. I think the only way that you're going to have a good video game adaptation is if you give it enough room to breathe, and really that's going to be in a series. That's the only way that you're going to get a good adaptation. You know who I think could make a really good video game adaptation movie? And I, can, I can't pronounce his name correctly, but Taiki Wakiki. He did a Thor Ragnarok, uh, Jojo Rabbit. I think with the right type of game, I think he could. I think he can do. I think he can do a justice of a two-hour film that's really good for yeah. a video game. I think he's really the only person off the top of my head that, that could pull it off. I think he would make a great, because they're supposed to do a Bioshock movie, and the whole world and atmosphere and just the storyline of like the first of like the uh, Bioshock Infinite and the you know the first Bioshock uh, where Rapture takes place. So fucking like that is that that like if if you were to like harness that to a really good film, man, you'd blow the fucking people away. But they'll, I mean, they'll probably fucking have Rupert Sanders do one of those too. So it's <laughs> that's that's gonna be like Rupert Sanders. Give it to James Cameron. Yeah, maybe, you know, he can, maybe he can do something with it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. James, that's his bag right there. And uh, he did just film a bunch of shit underwater for Avatar. So maybe yeah. you know, the first Bioshock, he could probably do it. And he would be a good balance of like accessible mainstream, but also like Alien 2 is like Alien 2 and Terminator 2 is just like the perfect balance of, yeah, it's not dumbed down, but it's very accessible. So yep. yeah, I think that'd be a good, a good you know, what, you know what video game movie I really love, even though it's a terrible movie, but it's only terrible because they attached it to the video game, if they would have never attached it to the video game, same exact movie, and just called it something else, Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> and they just called that like, like Plum for like short for Plumber or something. That movie, it would have got it would have gotten a lot more positive reviews. I will watch that movie just for John Leguizamo. <laughs> I will watch anything that John Leguizamo is on. I, he's he holds a special place in my heart, so I can't I can't say that if that show is on, I will not watch it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but because it's Super Mario Brothers, and it's just like yeah, it's, it's just yeah, it's too it's too it's too. A lot weird. of people don't even know that that film exists. Oh uh, yeah. When you when you bust that out, it like fucking it's like a Plato's caveman. It just alters their fucking perception of reality. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> it's oh, like the, you've seen the, you've seen the trailer for the movie Tiptoes. I have not. So Tiptoes is a movie that came out in the '90s. It stars Gary Oldman, 
Matthew McConaughey, and I think Julia Roberts. And it's about, oh, and uh, Peter Dinklage. So the movie is called Tiptoes because Gary, uh, Matthew McConaughey is getting married and he's, he's scared, nervous, or whatever to introduce who I believe is Julia Roberts to his family. And the reason why is because his family are dwarfs. And his brother is a dwarf, but his brother isn't Peter Dinklage. His brother is Gary Oldman. And Gary Oldman plays a dwarf, and I guess they didn't have the budget for prosthetics. He is literally on his knees for the whole movie. And you can wow. tell him he's on his knees. And this was like a $10 million movie when they made it. Oh, it's my God. Tiptoes. He plays the lead dwarf role, and Peter Dinklage is a side character. <laughs> what is that called? Uh because I can't even think of the term right now, but we're, they're getting a lot of that too, you know, hiring, oh, <laughs> giving people the lead roles that don't, that don't. It's like, don't yeah, like fit. cultural appropriation and yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. I, yeah. That's another thing that we can touch on too. You know, how do you write when you've got to take into account just the casting, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. Especially nowadays when even the last two years when I've been writing, that's been a, it's been a big thorn on my side. I'll tell you that. It's uh, yeah. it's not a lot of. I think that a lot of people don't understand that uh, that kind of stuff. And I'm not going to get too into it because we'll talk about it later. It's more damaging than it is helpful, from from multiple perspectives. Um, and but yeah, we'll you know we can talk about that later. But uh, yeah, that's that's a big, I think- that's a big thorn on the side. I do. I do agree. I think that there is a level of um, innocence to people who are not in the industry, mm-hmm. who you know who can say things like that, um, who can who can kind of you know basically throw rocks at the the glass house that we live in. But um, yeah, we can touch on that another time for sure. But for now, I think that we are completely out of time. Um, we have, uh, I think pretty much brought this to a close. Um, I think we can both agree that, uh, video game adaptations is something that's very hard to do. And unless that you have the room to do it in, I don't think that you're going to get it done or unless you have, you know, a, a director who a has the power to make it into Mm -hmm. something good and B um the uh the list of films behind them you know that 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 says they're going to do a good job also mm-hmm. um i think unless you do those unless you get all of those things you're going to end up probably with a flop unfortunately yeah yeah so. so cool cool well uh Awesome. Thanks for watching, everybody. Uh, We will do this every Friday, uh, probably around this time, 6 p.m. So tune in next time, and um, we'll see you then. Until then, have a good night.